On a previous episode, we had Stuart Burnett to talk about the importance of doing prayer in community. We are again joined by Stuart to talk about the importance and connection between a house of prayer and a local church. It's interesting, many houses of prayer function as a local church. In other places, it serves as a separate entity with a community made up of people from several churches from all around. And then there are those praying communities that are kind of a hybrid of the two, which is kind of like our house of prayer. So let's talk about how they're connected. Can they be connected? How can the two help one another and coexist to strengthen prayer in your own town or city? Should they be working together? If so, how can they work together with so many different but beautiful expressions of worship out there? This and more today on the Burning Rooms podcast. Welcome to the Burning Rooms Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we connect you to the prayer movement in Canada and beyond, where we have the conversations and share the stories to encourage you and strengthen you in your corporate and personal prayer life. Burning Rooms, bringing personality to prayer podcasts since 2019. My name is Johan. I'm Brian. And today we are once again, like in my intro, I said we are joined by... Stuart. Stuart Burnett. I said it. Stuart Burnett. I, I shouldn't attempt the accent, even though I got some... You don't roll the R. Scottish in me. Burnett. Burnett. That's no, too that's, much, no, too much yeah. emphasis on it. Stuart Burnett. I don't know how this came up, but right before we started recording here, we were talking about Saskatchewan. Why were we talking about Saskatchewan? Saskatchewan, for our American listeners, is the province next door to Manitoba, where we are right now. It's uh, also known as the gap between Manitoba and Alberta, which is what we usually call it. Saskatchewan, hard to spell, easy to draw. That's kind of the big theme there. I was born there. Birthplace. Birthplace. Of Johan Heinrichs. Yeah. Which yeah. community was that? I was born in Regina. In Regina. I experienced Regina. You experienced it. Yeah. Go visit Saskatchewan. Hard to spell, easy to draw. Okay. Today we are talking to Stuart on the podcast about... about Connection between... <laughs> <laughs> we got we to gotta start doing these featurettes on Canada. <laughs> okay. On to today's episode. Today, again, we are talking about the connection between a house of prayer and a local church. And we got Stuart on with us again. He's a former IHOPU alumni. Brian, why don't you just finish introducing our guests and, and talk about why we're having this conversation today. No, so we're, I'm excited to have you back on this podcast, uh, Stuart, and... You've been part of our House of Prayer for about six years now and down in IHOP for a number of years during that. So you spend a lot of time in prayer rooms and in Houses of Prayer specifically. And then you also went and spent a, a year in this position as a youth pastor. And so why for you is this a, a topic that you felt passionate about? I feel passionate about this topic because I chose to go to IHOP U knowing that I didn't want to be in the House of Prayer. So... It's been something throughout my four years down there that I was never, at, essentially at no point during that time was like, yeah, I'm going to go on staff at a house of prayer. It was always, I was always having the the vision of being in into pastoral ministry. So you escaped Sanctuary House of Prayer by going to International House of Prayer University. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I've been passionate about it. And specifically, my last two years at IHOPU, 
at that point, already thinking about a transition of after graduation uh, and what it was going to look like. Since then, I've had this passion to to see a merging of of the two. Yeah, just to, to see how that works. And as you yeah, you brought up the spending a year as a, as a youth pastor and getting to have a little bit of influence in in a couple prayer meetings that they were having. I've come out of I Help You resolved in not wanting to be in full-time uh, house of prayer, but still very much wanting to be involved. The idea of of merging, or not even merging the two, just having the, the importance of a relationship between the local church uh, of Winnipeg, of, of Southern Manitoba, of, of the world, like wherever you are, your local church, and having it connected to the house of prayer and connected to to a group of people who are burning and who are in in the house of prayer daily. I mean, I know it's important, but even seeing the way my prayer life for specific things changed when I had a connection to it. Um, specifically, my first semester of my, my fourth year at, at IHOP, I did an internship with a group called Luke 18, where I was spending... I was probably spending about 10 to 12 hours a week on college campuses in Kansas City, uh, split between UMKC and KU. And my desire to see revival and change on a college campus changed when I actually stepped foot on a college campus. Uh, And I think it's that premise and that idea applies for us praying for the local church. When you're actually connected with the local church, it's no longer just like, oh yeah, it's the people down the street or it's the people you know, shop shares uh, is using the building for. There's a connection there, and it it stirs up your desire to pray for them, and it also it gives you language to pray for. When you step into local churches, when you're connected with the people there and the pastors, it gives you a vision of what to pray for. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say, like for myself, I've been a part of of shop for 12 years, so it's a good, it's a decent chunk of my adult life. You know, I'm. For those of you who can't see me, which would be most of our podcast listeners, <laughs> our patrons get to see the video of this. So I'm I'm about 25 years old now, so <laughs> give or take. Right. You know. Give or take 12 years, right? 14. I'll, I'll take the 12 years. <laughs> 15 years. So, but but for me, I, I've been a part of this community for a long time, but but I've also spent a lot of time in, just in local churches. And so I speak at churches, youth groups, young adult groups, stuff like that. And I'm passionate about the local church and... I think sometimes when we're not a part of a local church, and this is true even of churches, you tend to be suspicious of the ministry down the road. You you kind of fall in love with whatever's going on in your own context. And in that church down the road, ah, yeah, they're okay, but we're not quite sure about them. You know, I, I like my church. And and that's even more so true, I think, when it comes to houses of prayer, because we are quite different. We we do function as a local church in some ways, but but we're quite different. And so you can easily get into that comparison of, oh, well, this is the right way to do it, or or that's the right way to do it. And so we can get into that thing. And I, I just don't think that's the way the Lord sees it at all. And I really think he wants these things to come together and there to be this this deep connection and friendship between these ministries. Yeah, I mean, my first thought was, yeah, when, you know, Paul was writing some the epistles, he wasn't to the, the this specific house church in Ephesus. It was just the entire church in Ephesus. Uh, and I think, yeah, the idea of joining into different groups, I think, we have this idea of I go to one church, which is good. Like have your your church that you are rooted in and you have connections in. But there's it's so good to get out of the bubble and out of your normal. Like I went from IHOP, which was very charismatic, to an MB church. 
and it was which is Mennonite Brethren, Mennonite Brethren, probably sorry, non Mennonites out there, <laughs> a Mennonite Brethren church. Which is, I mean, the conference as a whole is kind of came out of a of a revival of sorts and a move of the spirit, but for the most part, that's not who they are now. And coming from IHOP into that very much was a very sharp shifting of gears and like messing with the clutch, like think of like grinding gears was very much like that. And it not in any way knocking them. I have some very good relationships with the people there and I have an amazing relationship with the senior pastor still, but it was very different, a very, a very huge transition that was very difficult for me. If anything, that the degree to difficulty of that transition actually reinforced the idea of the need to to have the connection between the local church, to have whether the House of Prayers in Winnipeg or a Brandon, but to have people who are intimately connected and have relationships with those small churches to to know how to pray for them. I remember over the last year, every time I came up to shop uh, during my time in, in Boise Vane, my vision for what I wanted to change in Boise Vane through prayer was so much greater than it was before I was there. And I, like I said, I, like you said, I've been at shop for six years where we prayed for the the local church for se- revival in Southwest Manitoba. And, and it wasn't hard because praying for revival is this, it's easy to be passionate about, but being engaged in a local church gave me vision of what to pray for and of how it can actually be changed. And it's not, yeah, having specific language just uh, engages your heart more than just vague language does. Yeah, I feel like even this podcast is a good bridge between houses of prayer and the church because a lot of our listeners aren't in a house of prayer. They're actually, they just like the house of prayer. They're friends with us and they're in that same culture. And that's the way it's meant to be. We're not meant to be separate houses of prayer in the church I think there's relationship that needs to happen between both because essentially houses of prayer are praying for the church of your region, like like you were saying earlier, the church of Ephesus. It's a larger gathering. So I like to think of it as a greenhouse, a place where those who want to come and pray can flourish in a place, in an atmosphere of prayer for their region. And people can just come together for that main purpose where you're not you're not going to a place to get men's ministry women's ministry, kids' ministry, those things are all good. And some houses of prayer have those things. But we really just want to facilitate a place where people can come together and be in the presence of the Lord and intercede on behalf of their region to see revival and to see change. So I know in the early days, as it is with any movement, uh, there was always a little bit of clashing, right? When the houses of prayer started popping up, some churches felt threatened. But as we've seen with time, like the relationships have really they've really evolved into positive relationships in many, in many cases, I think in many cities. I know our house of prayer, we get along with a lot of different churches now. Yeah. And and I think part of that was because it was such a paradigm shift, right? Yeah. It's such a completely different mindset to approaching church. And so you can understand that. I mean, just generally in most towns, when a new place starts up, people are a little bit like, oh, why do we need a new place? Like, aren't we doing good enough as it is? But, but this was such a different way of doing it. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding, but over the years that really has shifted as people got to know us and find out we're actually, for the most part, decent people, you know. 
Well, as people got familiar with the model, we, we are seeing churches begin to have their own house of prayer type expressions too. So it's like some churches are actually having this thing happen in their own churches, which is awesome. It's, it's like there's houses of prayer popping up all over the place. Some are separate entities where they're just houses of prayer. Some are in churches. We're just seeing... Yeah, praying churches. I love it. Praying churches. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's a handful of them in Manitoba that are that have popped up probably in the last five years that have really gone for for prayer meetings, prayer rooms in their in their church bodies. And I don't feel like the relationships are clashing anymore. I feel like we're cheering each other on. It's like more prayer, awesome. This Absolutely. is happening. We're all starting to pray for this revival that we I think the Lord's just putting on everybody's heart that this thing's gonna happen. Like it's gonna break at some point. We're gonna see revival happen. So my question is, how can we begin to cultivate these relationships between other churches? Maybe they don't have a prayer expression. Maybe they do. But we want to see partnerships. We want to see friendships between churches and houses of prayer. So what are some of the things that we can do to cultivate these relationships? Um, personally, I think shop, houses of prayer are the, the weird ones. They're different. There's, I mean, less so now. We're very much like a normal church service with uh, just coming back from COVID. But we're very much different. So I think to a degree, the emphasis is on us to to reach out, to attend attend services, attend gatherings. The prayer movement, to a, to a degree, is very much young adult driven uh, and has been since the start. So the idea of you know, attending young adult gatherings, attending these small gatherings, just to show people that we're normal. Uh, we're not weird, but to... <laughs> we're just thinking about me and Johan attending young adult gatherings and, hey, we're normal. <laughs> we're, we're still cool kids. <laughs> this is rad. You, you oh. did say you were 25, right? <laughs> yes, that's right. 25. But yeah, like the... But attending, attending those small gatherings, developing relationships that, you know, it... it it gives you yeah, connections with those groups to a purpose of bringing them, you know, and getting them involved, but also having the connections with them so that well, we know what's going on in their community and we can actually have a heart connect with them. In my experience, one of the things that I've, I've found to be so important, and I'm, I think I'm speaking even directly maybe to some of you who are uh, House of Prayer or Prayer Movement staffers, is, is just make friends with people. And I found that was so important when I began my role. Like I would meet with youth pastors or different leaders and just sit down and ask them, how's your church doing? And how are you doing? And how can I pray for you? And I pray for them. And I'd shoot them texts every once in a while and just say like, hey, how's it going? How can I be praying for you? Making friends is, is such a huge thing because I think so often in, in ministries, and, and you can see this, sometimes it's all about connecting and someone comes and they got their card, they want to give you their card. And it's all about this game of, of connection and stuff like that. And that's, 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 I mean, I understand it, and it's it's good, and good comes out of it, but it can also sometimes come across as a little greasy. But, but when you actually just sit down with people and ask them how they're doing and offer to pray for them, I think that's where real relationship comes from. I, I think people can smell it from a mile away when someone wants to talk to you because they want something from you. Oh, we want to build a relationship with your church. We want, you know, maybe maybe some money can come this way, or you can help me. I'm an intercessory missionary. I, I raise my own support, right? Like, people can smell that. And so I just... I found what was really helpful is just making friends with people. And I love, Stuart, your idea. Like, yeah, sometimes just, just show up at a church service. You don't have to do it every week. Like, we meet on a Sunday, and on a normal Sunday, hey, if we're in the prayer room for six, six or at the prayer room for seven, seven and a half hours, sometimes with setup or takedown, it's hard to go to a church service in the morning. 
Because, yeah, that's your whole day. That's that that's hard. But, but you can do it every once in a while. And so building those relationships and those friendships, I think, is so important. I, I know this is true of myself. I can tell when somebody likes me from a mile away, you know, like in terms of another church ministry person versus when they just want to get something from me. And so that sincerity about, no, I actually just want to get to know you. I want to build a relationship with you. And we're, hey, we're here for you. Like, we want to serve you guys. Yeah, I think one thing that you said that I, I really liked was that, yeah, meeting with pastors, meeting with people and praying for them, not not just that I'll, you know, I'll be praying for you, what can I be praying for, but actually in that moment praying. I think we're all guilty of the, oh, I'll pray for you. And then you meet them again and like, you know, whatever, insert however long it is. And like you suddenly realize, oh, I didn't pray for you. And there's, it shows a sincerity when you actually pray in the moment. And like, I to a degree expected if somebody's like, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. Like, yeah, just like I'm going to pray for someone like, sure. Sometimes you remember, but there's, it shows a sincerity. It sh actually shows Jesus's love that, that you're going to pray in that moment. We actually had a full episode on that exact topic. I think it was called, wait, can I pray for you? But it didn't make it onto the main feed. It's actually a Patreon episode, but so if you want to hear that one, anyway, Actually, in the early days of our internship, I, we just recently, like with COVID, we're not early doing... Early days when I did it? When you did it, but we, Stuart was actually, you were kind of co-leading the internship, helping us out with that, right? We did Sunday morning church visits. Because we didn't meet on Sundays, we actually had our leaders take the interns to different churches around the city because I think visiting the church as a house of prayers, it's important to fuel your prayer because... How are you supposed to get a heart for the church? How are you supposed to pray for the church if you don't know who they are? We want to get to know who they are. And by talking with them, developing these relationships, you're going to get a heart for them. And it's going to fuel your prayer for years to come. And also, like, go to churches that you're not comfortable with. Like, go to churches that are theologies so much different than you're used to, their worship so much different than you're used to, because they love Jesus too. And we should still be praying for them, even though like we disagree with things or we don't love how they do specific things. They like it's so good. I was talking to somebody recently, and they were sharing their journey from very conservative uh, upbringing to starting to go to evangelical services, and the idea in their family of like, oh, that's not like that's not allowed. Like like that's they're not real Christians. And just like the idea of like breaking out of our shells of what's comfortable and and going to the uncomfortable so that we can show that we love them. Like regardless of what their theology is, they love Jesus, we love Jesus. Let's let's go somewhere together. So those those churches you're talking about that are vastly different from your expression, do you guys find that it's harder to maintain a relationship with them like being able to connect with them because they just do things so much different? Or are there, are there avenues that we can take to develop a connection with people whose expression is so much different or theology? For me, most of my experiences with churches that would fit within the evangelical tradition, but that really varies everything from like really conservative all the way to almost wildly pe Pentecostal, I would say charismatic. And I just love it all. There's, there's just different things to that, that stick out. Like, like, and in that context, I mean, they all love the Word of God, so that's awesome. They all love Jesus. They're all desiring to walk in truth. And so even I know when what Stuart's talking about theological differences, there are definitely some theological differences there, but most of them are, are fairly minor. 
really, in, in the grand scheme of things. These aren't huge gaping things, but but one of the things I love about conservative churches is they love the word. And some of them, they don't really know much about healing, power of the Holy Spirit, breaking and stuff like that. But it's so fun to go there and preach on that stuff because they they hold scripture so high. You just point it to them in the word. And they, they'll if they don't understand it, they'll wrestle it with it in the Bible, but they'll, they'll tap out to the Bible every single time. They'll let the Bible win, but they're going to wrestle through this, right? Because they love the word. So it's so fun speaking that environment. And then you get into charismatic context. And in many of these places, like they love seeing the power of the Holy Spirit come. And so I, I love that context as well, because I, I want to I wanna come and bring in like a, in some cases, like a, even a deeper love for the word and that we're rooted in the word. But I also like, I have freedom to, to kind of share a lot more boldly about some of these things related to revival because they're ready for it. Right. And they have a heart for these things. And so it, it's fun. I, I change I change the way, certainly as a preacher, I preach quite drastically between the, the different groups, but there's just some really good things to love in all the, all these groups. And we can't be so arrogant to think that we all have it right, that that they don't have anything to offer because their theology is different, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. I for sure do not have everything right. There is very much errors in my theology. If you guys have listened to this podcast, you know that none of us have things right all the time. We all strive to have good theology, though, obviously. Yeah. Yes. So we know that not all our listeners are part of a house of prayer. So let's talk about the other side of things. How does one in the church connect with people in houses of prayer? What kind of things can they do to connect with us as house of prayer? I know, Stuart, you're part of a local church as well. And Brian, you speak in a lot of local churches. So you kind of have the connection there. So what would you say to those in churches that want to get connected into a house of prayer and develop relationship and partnerships? I think honestly, if you're a part of a local church and there's a there's a house of prayer nearby, I think about like our friends at the River House of Prayer or House of Prayer Edmonton. So many of these these different ministries across Canada, like these are incredible resources. You might have some prayer people in your church who are passionate intercessors, but often intercessors in a local church feel alone. And so, hey, point them to these houses of prayer. Like they can be a part of your Sunday service. That's what many of these houses of prayers, prayer are. There's a lot of people from all sorts of churches who come and, and here's a place where they can pray and grow in prayer. And, and then they can also be a part of your church. But man, it's such a blessing when your intercessors suddenly don't feel so alone. That, that in itself is great. But I would also really recommend that you build relationships with that house of prayer. Man, local churches, if, if you're a pastor or a leader in a local church or you're part of it, I love you guys. And I love what I'm seeing in so many places in evangelism. I love what I'm seeing in youth ministry in many places, like just godly leadership and people who are going after the Lord. But one of the areas that we often struggle in local churches is prayer. And our people don't really know how to connect to God. We've often learned how to do a bunch of things, but prayer is a struggle. Now, that that's shifting. And even in the last couple of weeks, I've talked with multiple ministries and churches who are just seeing an, uh, just a vast influx in, in prayer, even over this past summer here in 2020, which I absolutely love to hear. But, but invite some of those staff over to let them do some teaching, let them share some of the stuff that they've learned. You don't have to replicate what's going on in a house of prayer at all. Like that's probably not your calling. And yet at the same time, there's some really good things you can learn that will help your congregation grow deeper in loving and encountering Jesus and even grow confidence in prayer. I think that's a big one. Like so many people are just afraid to pray publicly and they're not even sure what to pray. How do we pray? Well, hey, we got a bunch of people who are passionate about doing it and we would love, and I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of, of many of these houses of prayer that we know of across Canada, 
we would love to come and help be a resource to you. We would just love to do it. Yeah. And Stuart, you could probably attest to this. Send your send your young people to an internship. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've had a couple uh, a couple of my youth graduate this last year and just the, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? When I graduated from, I did uh, the one thing internship in Kansas City. When I finished that, it was one of those, had a great experience. I wanted to go into the medical field and do that sort of thing. But even in all that, I was like, I will never, even if I had never gone back to IHEPU, I would have looked back on a six-month internship in a house of prayer and been like, that six months, which in the grand scheme of, say, I live to 70 years, is a very small amount. But spending those times in a house of prayer internship context, even I'd say, you know, specifically like a, a small house of prayer like, like Consecrate, um, will change your view of house of prayer and will actually equip you to go back to your local church to em- embolden and to to share with your friends, with those who are older and younger than you, of the importance and the the necessity to have corporate and communal prayer. And being in this smaller context, like consecrate, like our internship, you have access to the leaders. So you can ask those questions. Hey, how can I start a house of prayer or a praying community Absolutely. in in my own local church sort of thing? And you're going to get the training and you're going to get the one-on-ones to learn how to do that, which is, I think is great. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I, my OTI track was like 60 people and IHOP's massive. You didn't have, I literally didn't have a single one-on-one in a like meeting with like the leader of OTI or like the leader of IHOP. Whereas if you're three or four people at a, a consecrated internship or something like that, there's plenty of opportunities for you to have one-on-ones with literally anybody on staff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So some great advice here. And obviously the biggest thing, like let's just learn to one to love one another as the church, as houses of prayer. Like we're all different parts of the body. And I just love the various parts and I, it's great when we can come together. So we're wrapping up this episode, but now it's time for another. Questions for the Oval Table. Now we got some burgers cooking upstairs ready for us to eat after recording this podcast. So I want to do a food related question today. Most church, most church communities, and even House of Prayer, our House of Prayer recently, in recent years, we came up with this coffee break to connect with people because, you know... <laughs> we came up with it. <laughs> we, it was groundbreaking. Groundbreaking. Forerunner anointing. So, the pioneers. See, when we're talking about relationships with churches, you know, that's one of the things that churches do really well that we adopted in our House of Prayer to be able to connect with people because they do it so well. So we have a coffee time and, and we got food. You know, people bring their snacks or whatever, their baked goods. Maybe not COVID right now, but hopefully we get back to that. But our host of prayer, in in an effort to connect with visitors, we implemented this time. So we learned that having food is a good way to connect to people, obviously. The question today is, if you were a guest in a local church or a praying community, a house of prayer, if you came to our house of prayer, what snack during that coffee time would win you over and make you want to come back next week. Well, where do we even begin? I mean, we could talk about burgers, but that's a little extreme. That's too much. When I just think about, (laughs) even in the prayer movement where there's often is a a lack of males, I just think like, man, we got a beef jerky. (laughs) 
<laughs> beef jerky. Why do we have to have a coffee break? Why can't we have a beef jerky break? Dip it in your coffee. Bacon break. Oh. <laughs> Maybe with a little Rolo ice cream. I I just feel like the men would be swarming to these places. <laughs> I feel like they'd be running to those places. To, no, not not, not away. <laughs> not, not. <laughs> to the places. I mean, me potato chips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just get me some potato chips. I'll be back. I love guacamole. Like, oh, like on potato good, chips? No, like with like with tortilla chips. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes. I put bacon in my guacamole. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like I love chips and dip, but specifically like corn chips and like guacamole. Um, so like if they had that, I would be really down to come back after that. Um, maybe a little disappointed if I came back and it was gone, but yeah, I mean, this is a little plug for the Patreon yep. so you can see the video, but I'm a big guy. I'm six foot five. I'm sitting down. You can't see it. Uh, I'm big. <laughs> uh, I like all snacks. You put food in front of me. I'll probably eat it. That being said, I, I don't want something. <laughs> I don't want something that's super heavy because I want to be able to like not fall asleep during a message. Right. So like we mm. gotta, you gotta have a, a, a fine balance between it being good, filling, but not too filling that you're going to fall asleep during a message. So, but celery sticks wouldn't keep you coming back. Never. No. I would mm-hmm. literally never go back to the church. Okay. Uh, but I also, cupcakes? Yeah. I cup. I'm. I. I'm a. I'm a lover of cupcakes. And what says fasted lifestyle like a slim jim? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm just picturing Macho Man back in the '90s. <laughs> Okay, listeners, it's your turn. A little bit of spinach. Check the show notes to find out how you can send us a voice message. And we want to hear what snack would keep you coming back. Such important conversation. (laughs) That sounded really good. What snack would keep you coming back? That's a great... All I'm thinking about right now is goldfish now. You know, we talk about how food brings you smiling. Yeah, and it's not what you think with Danica. She actually eats raw goldfish. This is is a fun, fun fact. (laughs) <laughs> okay, we're going to end this segment. You, you can message us. Just check the show notes. They but no. do not smile Hello. back. Yeah, did, did, did one get stuck in your throat there? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this has been another good episode of the Burning Moose Podcast. Stuart, thank you so much for joining us once again. It's great to have you. Brian, once again, you're not a guest, but it's always good to see your lovely head in front of me. So if you want to find out more about us, <laughs> so if you want to find out more about us in the podcast, we would love to hear from you. In fact, this would be so helpful. Rate, review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. It helps us to, you know, feel good about what we're doing. <laughs> I don't know if it helps us to get found or not. Maybe it does. I oh, sometimes look at reviews. It does. That's what they say on the that, podcast, but does it? My research says that no. But when you see a review on a podcast and it's high, then you're most more likely to listen to it, right? So, I mean, review. That'd... It helps sometimes. Or you could, like, message us on Instagram. We're pretty responsive. Connect with us on mm-hmm. social media. We got all the links yep. below. Go to burningreads.ca to find it all. And, of course, we got our Patreon, which we plug here and there. You hear all about the video. If you want to see this video nonsense that we're doing here, then uh, we would love to have you on here. You're getting some weird faces. Okay. Yeah. I just smiled. Yeah, and they're not even trying. This is just how we look. <laughs> until, no. until next time, my name is Johan. I'm Brian. 
I'm Danica. And I'm Stuart. And this has been the Burning Burning Rooms Podcast. Podcast.